chapter fifty eight of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter fifty eight more haste less speed to do what is thoroughly becoming and graceful is my main desire that any man should praise himself and insist upon his own exploits and services to his native land or even should let people guess at his valour by any manner of side-wind such a course would simply deprive me of the only thing a poor battered sailor has left to support him against his pension i mean of course humble but nevertheless well-grounded self-respect this delicacy alone forbids me even to allude to that urgent and universal call for my very humble services which launched me on the briny waves once more and in time for a share in the glorious battle fought off cape st vincent upon that great st valentine's day of seventeen hundred and ninety seven i was master of the excellent under captain collingwood and every boy in the parish knows how we captured the st isidore and really took the st nicholas though other people got the credit and nearly took a four-decked ship of one hundred and thirty guns whose name was the st miss trinder and who managed to sneak away when by all rights we had got her however let us be content with things beyond contradiction the foremost of which is that no ship ever was carried into action in a more masterly style than the excellent upon that occasion and the weight of this falls on the master far more than the captain i do assure you so highly were my skill and coolness commended in the despatches that if i could have borne to be reduced below inferior men i might have died a real captain in the british navy for as happened to the now captain bowen when master of the queen charlotte i was offered a lieutenant's commission and doubted about accepting it had i been twenty years younger of course i must have jumped at the offer but at my time of life and with all my knowledge it would have been too painful to be ordered about by some young dancer therefore i declined at the same time thinking it fair to suggest for the sake of the many true britons now dependent upon me that a small pecuniary remittance would meet with my consideration that faculty of mine however was not called to the encounter i never heard more about it and had to be satisfied with glory but if a man is undervalued often and puts up with it he generally finds that fortune treats him with respect in other more serious aspects for instance what would have happened if providence had ordained to send me into either of those sad mutinies which disgraced our fleet so terribly that deep respect for authority which like the yoke of a nest egg lies calmly inside me waiting to be sat upon as well as my inborn sense of nature's resistless determination to end by turning me into a gentleman indications of which must have long ago been perceived 
by every reader not to mention any common sense of duty in the abstract and wages in the pocket these considerations must have led me to lay a pistol to the head of almost every man i could find however from such a course of action grace and mercy preserved me and perhaps it was quite as well for i am not sure that i could have stopped any one of the four mutinies entirely although i can answer for it that never would bad manners take the lead in any ship while i was master it is the shilly-shallying that produces all the mischief if all our captains had behaved like captain peard and his first lieutenant in the st george off cadiz at the first spread of disaffection it is my opinion that a great disgrace and danger would have been crushed in the bud but what could be expected when our government showed the like weakness twice they went hankering after peace and even sent ambassadors who can ram shot home with pleasure while things of this kind are encouraged to fight it out is the true christianity ordered by the church itself and this we did and are doing still as roger burkrolls prophesied and the only regret i have about it is that a stiffness in my knees enables the other boarders to take a mean advantage of their youth and jump into the chains or portholes of a ship when by my tactics conquered so as to get a false lead of me however no small consolation was to be gained by reflecting how much more prize-money would accrue to me than to any of these forward fellows so that one might with an unmoved leg contemplate their precipitancy even a sore grievance was the breaking up and dispersion of our noble and gallant ship's company so long accustomed to one another and to sharp discipline in the defence where was captain bampfylde where was lieutenant rodney bluett what was become of our three fine savages even heaviside and hezekiah were in my thoughts continually and out of my knowledge entirely as to the latter worthy gunsmith artillerist to the king and queen and all the royal family i can only at present say that when i had been last at home and before my acceptance of that brief appointment in the plymouth dockyard in short when first i recovered strength after that long illness to cope with the walk both to and fro i found occasion to go to bridge and with my uniform on for the sake of the town i had not turned the corner of the bridge a good half hour before that important fact was known from the river bank to the churchyard and griffith of the cat and snuffers set up such a welsh hurrah as good as the screech of a wild-cat trapped that it went up the hill to newcastle in a word hepzibah heard of me and ran down the hill like a roaring lion demanding her hezekiah what ensued is painful to me even now to speak of for though my conscience was refitting and ready to knock about again after carrying too much sail i could not find it in my heart to give the mother of a rapid family nothing but lies to feed upon many men of noble nature dwell upon nothing but conscience as if that were the one true compass for a man to steer by whereas i never did find a man outside my own sunday clothes 
whose conscience would not back him up in whatever he had a mind for my own had always worked like a power plainly exposed to every one thereby gaining strength and revolving as fast as a mountain windmill when the corn is falling away to chaff this however was not required in the present instance for hepzibah like a good woman fell from one extreme into the opposite from bitter reviling to praise and gratitude was but a turn of the tongue to her especially when i happened to whisper into the ear of griffith that the whole of my stipend for newton church clock would now according to my views of justice be handed to hezekiah's wife inasmuch as the worthy gunsmith had rejoined the church of england and i said what a dreadful blow this would be to all the nicodemites when the gun officer returned with money enough to build a chapel however i felt that it served them right because they had lately begun to sneer at his good wife's wonderful prophecies in a word i had promised to find hezekiah and both while in harbour and now when afloat i tried to get tidings not only of him but also of the newton taylor and heaviside and the three wild men as well as young harry savage lieutenant bluett and captain bampfylde for all these being at sea and in wartime who could say what had befallen them whereas i knew all about most of our people now living ashore in the middle of peace however of course one must expect old shipmates to be parted and with all the vast force now afloat under the british flag it would almost be a wonder if any of us should haul our wind within hailing distance of the others during our cruise in this world nevertheless it did so happen as i plainly will set forth so far as i remember through the rest of the year ninety seven and the early part of the following year i was knocking about off and on near the straits being appointed to another ship while the excellent was refitting and afterwards to the goliath a fine seventy four under captain foley in the month of may seventeen hundred and ninety eight all our mediterranean fleet except three ships of the line lay blockading cadiz our admiral the earl st vincent formerly sir john jervis had orders also to watch toulon where a great fleet was assembling and our information was so scant and contradictory that our admiral sent but three ships of the line and a frigate or two to see what those crafty frenchmen might be up to but this searching squadron had a commander whose name was horatio nelson this was not by any means the man to let frog-eaters do exactly as they pleased with us i believe in the king of england i have faith and discipline i abhor all frenchmen worse than the very devil such was his creed and at any moment he would give his life for it it is something for a man to know what he means and be able to put it clearly and this alone fetches to his side more than half of the arguers who cannot make their minds up but it is a much rarer gift and not often combined with the other for a man to enter into and be able to follow up ways and turns and ins and outs of the natures of all other men if this is done by practised subtlety it arouses hatred and can get no further but if it be a gift of nature exercised unwittingly and with kind love of manliness all who are worth bringing over are brought over by it if it were not hence i know not whence it was that nelson had such power over every man of us 
to know what he meant to pronounce it and to perceive what others meant these three powers enabled him to make all the rest mean what he did at any rate such is my opinion although i would not fly in the face of better scholars than myself who declared that here was witchcraft what else could account for the manner in which all nelson's equals in rank at once acknowledged him as the foremost and felt no jealousy towards him even admiral earl st vincent great commander as he was is said to have often deferred to the judgment of the younger officer as for the men they all looked upon it as worth a gold watch to sail under him therefore we officers of the inshore squadron under captain truebridge could scarcely keep our crews from the most tremendous and uproarious cheers when we got orders to make sail for the mediterranean and place ourselves under the command of nelson we could not allow any cheering because the dons ashore were not to know a word about our departure lest they should inform the crapos under whose orders they now were acting and a british cheer has such a ring over the waters of the sea and leaps from wave to wave so that i have heard it a league away when roused up well to windward so our fine fellows had leave to cheer to their hearts content when we got our offing and partly under my conduct for i led the way in the goliath nine seventy-fours got away to sea in the night of the twenty-fourth of may and nine liners from england replaced them without a single jack spaniard ever suspecting any movement every one knows what a time we had of it after joining our admiral how we dashed away helter-skelter from one end of the world to the other almost in a thorough wild-goose chase because the board of admiralty with their usual management sent thirteen ships of the line especially on a searching scurry without one frigate to scout for them we were obliged to sail of course within signalling distance of each other and so that line of battle might be formed without delay upon appearance of the enemy for we now had a man whose signal was go at em when you see em also as always comes to pass when the sons of beelzebub are abroad a thick haze lay both day and night upon the face of the water so that while sailing in close order upon the night of the shortest day we are said to have crossed the wake of the frenchmen almost ere it grew white again without even sniffing their roasted frogs possibly this is true in spite of all the great nelson's vigilance for i went to my hammock quite early that night having suffered much from a hollow eye-tooth ever since i lost sight of poor polly admiral nelson made no mistake he had in the highest degree what is called in human nature genius and in dogs and horses instinct that is to say he knew how to sniff out the road to almost anything trusting to this tenfold when he found that our government would not hear of it but was nearly certain of a mighty landing upon ireland off he set for egypt carrying on with every blessed sail that would or even would not draw we came to that coast at a racing speed and you should have seen his vexation when there was no french ship in the roadstead i have made a false cast Truebridge. he cried i shall write to be superseded my want of judgment may prove fatal to my king and country for our government had sent him word through the earl st vincent that the great expedition from toulon would sail for england or ireland and he at his peril had taken upon him to reject such nonsense but now as happens by nature's justice to all very sanguine men he was ready to smite the breast that had suggested pure truth to him 
thus being baffled we made all sail and after a chase of six hundred leagues and continually beating to windward were forced to bear up on st swithin's day and make for the coast of sicily and it shows the value of good old hands and thoroughly sound experience that i the oldest man perhaps in the fleet could alone guide the fleet into syracuse here our fierce excitement bubbled while we took in water End of chapter 58